We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. For the vandals of Idaho. Welcome back, Drive North Brave and Bold to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, and the Dream Team guys is back together. I'm joined by producer Dallas Hammer, aka Dammer. Dallas, how's it going? It is good. I haven't been on a pod in feels like a month, so this is going to be uh, real rusty for me, and I apologize to everybody that has to listen to this. That was really not that depressing, Dallas. You'll get better as we do more. Than I mean, I, I could absolutely just drop a whole bunch of depression on you right now if you wanted, but we'll try to we'll try to keep this positive. And if you are a listener who's been wondering, hey, when is the uh, when the basketball episodes coming? Well, they're here. We uh, Weirdly, you guys, we've been busy with the coaching stuff uh, ever since, really for us, since uh, right around we dropped the Petrino story to now. It's been kind of overdrive for us in, uh, in terms of people communicating with us, in terms of us uh, getting stuff situated, which is cool and all for tubs. But uh, that also means basketball, which we typically devote a lot of time to. Just took a second to get launched, but hey, that's what we're here for because today – Dallas and I are going to give you instant reaction, not only to Idaho's Big Sky Conference home home opener, conference play opener against Southern Utah, preseason number one, Southern Utah. Idaho goes down 81 to 75. We're going to give you our reaction to that. We're also going to have this function as our season preview. It's going to meander a little bit to uh, cover the team, what they've done today and what they've done previously. But honestly, we talked about it on the football shows we had so many transfers in that like none of neither of us wanted to waste our time telling you guys, hey, these guys might be good. We wanted to see some games be played. Well, hey, conference opener happened, so we're gonna this is where we're gonna start. As always, guys, around the bar, brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. I already gave the spoiler alert. Idaho lost a competitive game against Southern Utah 81-75 in the ICCU arena's first big sky conference game ever or for men's basketball, first big, big sky conference game ever. Idaho uh, is led by transfer from uh, Grand Canyon senior. Mikey Dixon, shooting guard, scored 27 points on 11 to 20 from the field. Uh, Dre Marine, su- Southern Utah point guard, who's been there for what feels like 75 years, scored 19 points on 7 to 14 from the field. But uh, Dallas, like I said, it, the game was essentially close wire to wire, but what was the story of Idaho Southern Utah today? So I'm coming into this as somebody who has not watched a single minute of Idaho basketball this year. This game was the first snippet I have seen at all. I haven't been able to get down to the arena. I have not seen anything from out of conference. So I want to preface all of my takes with that. The story of this game is Idaho might just normally suck instead of magnificently suck, which is incredible improvement from what last year's team was. Uh, they looked considerably more athletic. I mean, they they held with the the preseason number one pick. I mean, Southern Utah's a good team. They're absolutely going to be in the conversation for 
for winning the Big Sky Tournament. Like, I was actually very encouraged with this. Uh, Mikey Dixon, like you said, Dixon looked fantastic. Uh, I thought even uh, Ethan Kilgore looked considerably better than he did last year. He had a, a really good stretch there uh, on the offensive and defensive. And he was kind of streaky a little bit, but I that was my my story and takeaway from this is these guys might be competitive in most games, which is way more than we've had in a while. And the deep dive on this Dallas is this team has been a little bit more volatile than maybe anyone would have thought coming into this season. Because the last two years, honestly, the, the last year of actually no, that was three years ago. Every year, Klaus has been head coach. There's honestly been no no like ten second spectrum to think there's any help for the team. I went to the opener against Long Beach State, and that was honestly the first time. I'd been to an Idaho game for a long time and was completely unironically ecstatic moment by moment. Uh, lost that game 89-85 in overtime. But the way the, oh, the out-of-conference has progressed, guys, we'll, we'll circle back to this game. We have our opening three games. We go one and two with a win at home against George Fox University, which no one cares about. We look competitive. We narrowly lost to Long Beach State and should have won, and we hung in with a Fresno State that, team that physically overmatched us those three games in Idaho had a, one clear strength which is when we get out in transition and our guard oriented on offense as an attempt to get penetration we're effective half court offense was dog shit and defense was the worst collection of defensive rotations individual efforts you name it I've never seen a worse defense than Idaho trotted out the first three games from then on Idaho loses gets destroyed by 48 at home against WSU. We get destroyed at Utah Valley, 83 to 45. By the way, against WSU, we gave up 109 points. Then a narrow loss to Cal Poly, followed by getting killed at North Dakota State, 90 to 73. Against North Dakota State, I've never seen a team get so many effortless dunks except maybe WSU. All the hope from those first three games completely evaporated through the, to the following four including finishing out North Dakota state. However, against North Dakota state seemed to figure out that our posts, which I don't mean to put down the guys. It's um, we have Pepple, we have Tanner Christensen, who's back from last year and Michael Hanshaw, Michael Hanshaw. Those three guys are just not going to be huge contributors on okay. Idaho team and this game and second half North Dakota state. And a lot of this game, you saw Klaus seem to embrace that. This needs to be a guard oriented team. Sometimes playing a lineup where Rashad, Rashad, um, Shot Smith and Ethan Kilgore, both 6'4", our tallest guys. So circling back to this game, we're now, after starting out promising and then just bottom, bottoming out in like the most embarrassing, awful way possible, we, we seem to have maybe found a spot of, hey, this is how this team, that's not going to, they're not going to finish with a winning record, but maybe we found the recipe Dallas for this to be an okay team with what we saw against Southern Utah. Absolutely. And that's like, that's the one weird thing about this team to me, just in, in the one game that I've watched so far, like you said, there are, there are legitimately three forwards on this team and everybody else is registered as a guard. Um, it's not what I would expect from the archaic 1960s slash 1970s offense that we've seen through the, uh, I don't know, the last decade of Idaho basketball. Uh, it, it was almost refreshing to see, I mean, like you said, there were at times there were five guards on the court. We had the forwards registered 33 minutes tonight that like we have two different guards that registered just at that. Like that's, 
insane and it it's kind of odd to watch Idaho moving the ball a little bit better. Uh, we talked about it a little bit in the, the pregame. The posts seem to get the ball up in the uh, the top of the key, and then it's cuts and action elsewhere instead of the awful, weird twin high post setup we've had for so long. It was it was weird, honestly. I, for anybody that's listening to this and did not watch the game, it was truly weird to watch Idaho truly compete against Southern Utah for the entire game. I mean, they had a they had a lead in the second half. When was the last time Idaho had a second half lead? And we honestly, at least for me, I sat there thinking there is an honest chance that Idaho wins this game, wins the first game of, of conference play, and is in front of other teams for at least a weekend. I, I, I'm blown away by it. This is also the first game this year, Dallas, where something we talked about last season is when Idaho was competitive. It really just tracked our field goal percentage. If we shot like 50% from three, we still lost, but we had a prayer. This season, uh, aesthetically, the, I mean, look, the jury's in. This team, this year, Idaho's team would have beat last year's team by like 15 because last year's team was like the worst basketball team any of us will ever see our entire lives, which isn't to say this is a great team. Again, like I don't think we're not going to finish 500, but we – we could be fun like we were today. In our first three games, I'm gonna sorry, I'm gonna delete George Fox. So against Long Beach State and Fresno State, the first two losses we had that were competitive. An asterisk is that against Long Beach State, we hit 48% of our threes, 15 to 31. Then against Fresno, we hit 43%, going nine of 21. So the, those two metrics, you might say, okay, well, sure, the team looks fun, but if you're gonna hit 48% of your threes and lose, you're probably not gonna be that great a team. Well, today we hit 36, no, so not 36% of our threes. Uh, today we hit, Idaho hits uh, 30, essentially 35% of our threes. We go eight for 23, but we were competitive all the way through. Still, still got to 75 points without, you know, 35% of your three is okay. That's not fantastic, but that's, that's evidence number one, that there are some things going right for this team that we haven't seen for three years that we have, we're playing with enough pace and we do have enough, a handful. We don't have enough talented guys that we have said be good, but we do have a few talented guys who can be difference makers for us. And the first one I'm going to talk about just for a minute, and we'll go through a few of the other players too, so that this does function as a preview. Um, Mikey Dixon, transfer from Grand Canyon. Um, pros for Mikey Dixon, he he's a good shot maker and a good shot creator. Heading into this game, he was averaging about 13. Um, he certainly can hit threes. He's he heading into Southern Utah. He led the big sky in free throws made, which means even though he's small, as in like he's I think he's about six two, but he's also he's a slender six two, and he's you know he's not a high flyer. He still is effective at getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. That's a huge plus. We sure as hell have not had that for three years. Minor downside is we have had times where, where Dixon falls in love with massaging the basketball, and that has been part of our half-court offense being terrible. It's not close to only him doing it, but that is absolutely a facet that has been a problem for us. Overall, he's, of course, a, he's going to be a really, a really solid big sky guard. And today, uh, already referenced that he led us in scoring with 27 points when – he also picked up a couple assists, which uh, he's also doing this a little bit better. Early on, he was he was really a black hole of re- almost never. Uh, you really didn't see like driving kicks from him. You're starting to see a little bit more of that. Uh, also picked up five re- rebounds, all defensive rebounds. But he 
he was a guy who in Idaho's having offensive lulls. Um, he was the guy we, we went to this game and he was effective. We also saw him, like you talked about Dallas, when Idaho started to initiate their offense from around the top of the key, very often with the ball screen or ball balls given to our, to our center at the top of the key. And we have screen action. We have screening action on the wing to try to open up cuts for our guards. Dixon did a great job of, Catching, getting getting to the hole immediately, not trying to be creative, just taking his momentum and using it. That was part of him getting 27 points. He's, I think there's a good chance uh, when we're a few more games into the season that Dixon is pretty clearly our number one scoring option. And then the, the one problem with that, for anybody that did watch the game, uh, this game was, I mean, it ended up being a six-point uh, loss, but... There were well, there was a chance with a minute left that Idaho could have tied this game up, and unfortunately, what it what happened is Dixon kind of just went ISO, drove down to the hoop. Southern Utah was playing a weird collapsing zone, and he ended up trying to get a layup with four guys around him. Uh, it's wasn't a great look. Uh, even the uh, the commentary mentioned uh, it's probably not the shot you wanted if you're Idaho. Uh, so that's that's probably going to be something that we're going to see, uh, if I had to guess. But again, if the guy's putting up 27 points a game, uh, you you kind of just live with that. Um, he did look very good uh, as the the creator, and and a, a creator we haven't had in years, honestly. Uh, last year's team, even just if Dixon would have been on last year's team, I think they would have won more than one game. Just. Just having somebody that can go score when when it's needed. Um, uh, again, the usage rate is is pretty high. Uh, you're going to have the times, like you said, Brian, where he just kind of starts massaging the ball. Uh, and again, like the the shot I alluded to. But all in all, the talent level of this team is just just looking from best guard to last year. Nothing against Damon Thacker, but I would take Dixon. 99 times out of 100 over Thacker. You're wrong. You'd take him 100 times. He's he's <laughs> he's easily better than Damon Thacker. Damon Thacker transferred from Idaho to MSU Billings, I believe, which congrats for him. Damon Thacker would not see the floor on this team. Both another guy I'm going to talk about in a second. Both Mikey Dixon and Tra- Trevante Anderson are transferred from Sa- San Francisco easily, are superior players, which is part of why this team has a chance to be competitive and fun against a team like Southern Utah. Uh, Trayvonte Anderson's another guy who, and I'm going to steal this to do part of the deep, quote-unquote, deep dive preview, guys. Uh, Trayvonte Anderson, he's our point guard, uh, transfer from San Francisco. He's from Tacoma, Washington. He His play style, when he's at his best, he is getting into the key. He is a guy who will do driving kicks. He is a guy who can be a solid finisher. He isn't an elite athlete, as in like he, he's not dunking on guys. And there are times where he just doesn't quite have the first step to turn his shoulder on his defender, which is where you sometimes see him settling for some contested shots that he just shouldn't take. He's not a sharpshooter. He's he's a good shooter when he, when he catches the ball with his feet set in a catch-and-shoot situation. He's absolutely a fine shooter. But he's not a guy that we want shooting step backs. He's much better kind of as an old-school scoring point guard where his – in his mind, his job is get into the key and either get layups or get fouls or you get the kickouts. That's when he's at his best. You certain, you saw that a little bit in this game. He finishes with finishes with 12 points. It took him 11 shots, but he also grabs eight rebounds, had two assists, uh, three turnovers. But, you know, I mean, that's going to happen. 
when you're one of the guys primarily cre- uh, creating scoring options. As far as uh, how he's looked this season, he's he's been up and down for sure. I mean, he started out the season against Southern against Long Beach. He scores 26 points. Um, it was clear that he wasn't like he made. I, th- I think he made uh, three or five threes that game. And you, you could just tell like he was making them opportunistically, and that's the best way for him to shoot. That he he was at his best when he was being a creative penetrator. Um, since then, a little bit of a lull. Like he started out super hot, 26, 22 in the first two games. Then over the next uh next few, he has 4.7 points. He settled as he's probably gonna be like a 12 to 15 point a game score, I think which again, huge upgrade for us. He's a guy who, if we can get in transition, his life's a lot, life is a lot easier because he's creative off the dribble. Uh, but him getting that extra speed from having the defense on his heels, probably going to be important for Trey Bonte getting, so, getting some good looks. Was there anyone else today, Dallas, that you saw that you, that you, that pop, popped out to you for a second is then thinking, okay, again, like this isn't an all big sky talent, but this is a guy I would have been pretty dang happy to have last year. Yeah, I also thought Rashad Smith looked pretty good. Uh, just defensively, I thought he was – and again, this is so hard to talk about because I don't want it to sound like I'm ripping on former Vandals. I mean, I appreciate the the time that they had here. I appreciate the, uh, the – it, it takes work to be a college athlete. I, If anybody saw my stomach, they would know I, I'm not willing to put that kind of work in. So I take that with a grain of salt, but – I thought the effort was just so much higher than what we saw from most of the players last year. And that it was, it was refreshing to see that the defense, the help defense was no longer lackadaisically stand three feet away from even the guy you're guarding. And then when somebody puts a, a shot of just like, you know, you kind of just put your hand in the air and say, eh, yeah, I, I, I gave effort. Smith was running around like crazy. Uh, he had a, he had one steal that was, pretty crucial i thought um had a had quite a quite a few defensive rebounds for being a again a guard um i thought man if we would have had this last year maybe again two or three wins was on the table instead of just one um this does make me question brian we talked a lot of last year about kendall McHugh because we just we didn't see him we and we questioned hey is he somebody that can contribute at all uh, he's back this year. I think he's only played two or three games. Has he? Does he have a spot on this team, or is the bench just from top to bottom stronger than what he could break into? No, we don't have enough evidence on McHugh. He we've only seen him for a minute or so. And look, he he plays the same position as Trevante Anderson. He's not better than Trevante based off what we've seen. He's probably not a sharp enough shooter based off his size to be fitting in with Trevante also on the floor. So I also don't know if there's been injury issues again, because I'm, I'm pretty sure he was in street clothes for this game. So uh, yeah, real question. Now one, this isn't exactly pushback because what you're talking, what you talked about is you saw at least some defensive fire, let's say. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean you're of course not saying defensively we're good. No. Oh goodness. No, 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 no. Let me correct that. God, no, but Last year, part of the problem was it just didn't even look like the effort was there at times. You know, the second half would roll around, maybe that eight-minute mark, and guys would just kind of check out of like, huh, well, we suck, don't care. Yeah, because we this has been pretty constant. Um, look, we're, we're not going to obsess. There's a certain topic we're probably going to have to touch at some point. Um, Zach Gloss 
pretty bad. I mean, preposterously bad defense last year. No evidence that we're better this year. We have better athletes, so there will be times where it looks better. And if they're playing with more energy, obviously that's moving in the right direction. But mm -hmm. so far, uh, defensive rating has not been published for this game right now. But heading into Southern Utah, Idaho has had a single game with a defensive rating lower than 100. Uh, defensive rating of 100 equals one point per possession. Defensive rating below 100, of course, meaning we're not giving up a point per possession. This game, no way that we have defensive rating uh, below 100. Our floor, our worst effort was a defensive rating of 147 against Washington State, which as a reference point, guys, uh, a defensive rating of 150 would be if the team shot a three every single possession and they made, I think, no way, no, every single possession, you'd be making like around four, like half of them would be, yeah, no, if you want one out of, if you score three points every two possessions, that's 1.550 points per possession. So yeah, against WSU, it was almost identical to WSU shooting a three every single time down the floor and making half of them. Uh, that's honestly probably the worst defense I'll ever see anyone ever play. Otherwise, we've been right around the 105 to, our range has been 10, just below 105 to 118. So uh, in terms of strate strategic defense, look, we're still we're still seeing help off of one pass away from threes to get wide open threes. Uh, we definitely have had multiple announcers cite layup line defense in the post. Um, when teams do post up, they've been pretty good at getting position almost at the restricted area, which I, it doesn't matter if your post is bad. If, he, if his position is that close, it's a good shot. So defensively, no no evidence whatsoever that we are really improved, but we do have better athletes. Like you said, Rashad Anderson's a good athlete, so that that part can look a little bit better. Um, Anderson today, he this is his first game off the bench, which actually I like him off the bench a little bit more. Um, he got a little bit more catch and shoot opportunities. He he plays. He's essentially a, a power forward for us at six four, but that's just the roster we have. Ethan Kilgore took his his spot starting, but that might be better for Anderson because then he comes on and is more likely to be guarded by second unit players. So it gives him like a sixth man scoring kind of situation, which might be better for him. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of been the evolution of Anderson. He's certainly he's from Grand Canyon too, Dallas. He's certainly one of the guys on this team that's the bright spot. Got it. The next question I have for you, Brian, because you you have obviously watched this team considerably more than I have. Uh, the other guy, we've kind of touched on Kilgore a little bit. Uh, we've obviously covered McHugh. Two other guys that have remained from, from last year's squad, Gabe Cornett, Tanner Christensen. Where do they kind of fit in? Have they progressed from last year? What are your thoughts on, on the two of them? Gabe Cornett has that situation to me heading into the year. And the, again, I'm going to preface this. We Even when our basketball team was terrible last year, we tried to not isolate guys and slam them but look if they if they were getting targeted by the defense we had to say and Gabe Cornette got targeted by defenses every game last year when Gabe Cornette was a starter against Long Beach State my, that was the first red flag for me that we might not be as good a good enough team to be approaching okay because Gabe Cornette is he's a good catch and shoot player but he's just not a, a great D1 athlete he's not a, he's never going to be a passable defender he's not a good enough ball handler he if he if he's like your ninth man and he comes in, if he makes a couple threes, he stays in. But if not, he comes out. That makes sense. I mean, that's fine. Um, but he was a starter at the beginning of the year. And um, now he's off the bench. He's getting a lot fewer minutes. 
that is definitely the better place for him to be. Uh, Tanner Christensen is a his story is a little bit more complex, but I'm going to have to throw it to you, Dallas, so that I can take a drink and not assault listeners with a cough. Fair enough. Um, hmm. Do I have any good talking points? Not really, no. And we're um, back to Tanner Christensen, guys. That, was, uh, <laughs> that filibuster brought to you by producer Dallas Hammer. Uh, maybe we can get sponsorship for that. Uh, contact contact Tubbs the club for sponsorship of any specific segments. The filibuster by Hammer, the contentless filibuster by Hammer, is going to be a go-to that I think a lot of people want to put their name on. Tanner I mean, Christians. people just want to hear my sultry voice, right? That was the whole point. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's what the transition is for. Uh, Tanner Christensen. So he he's a little bit older. I mean, and by the way, he's a he's a freshman because the COVID year didn't count. So he's honestly relatively graduating because he went on a mission. He's four. This is, a, I believe, is his fourth year removed from being a high school student. So, relatively a freshman, he's he's older. Doesn't matter. Uh, just minor point. He played 13 minutes. Um, he had some foul trouble issues last year, which uh, didn't know how much that was. You know, when people are on their mission, the the point of their mission isn't to be D1 athletes. And then he had COVID happen, so we we didn't know how much that might be playing himself back into shape. He certainly showed um, some promise last year to be like a solid contributor. And, um, you know, we're kind of seeing that he, he's a little bit slow on defense. So like North Dakota state had some posts who were good at putting the ball on the floor and he struggled against those guys. Um, South Dakota, sorry, Southern Utah didn't really have those. So he's, that puts him in a better situation. He's still solid as a finisher close to the basket. Um, isn't really a stretch the floor player at this point. Maybe he'll, that'll, that'll come later. Maybe not. Um, I still put him where he was last year or a little bit better than last year is in, you know, he, he, he's fine. Um, there's certainly ways that he contributes. If he can get post position very deep, he's a solid finisher. He's not an overwhelming athlete, but he's got relatively nice touch around the basket. So that's a net positive. Uh, best use of him, I think is what we saw today where he's getting, he's screening at the top of the key as a screen roll, or he's being used to facilitate the offense um, and hit cutters. I think you know his scoring is going to mostly be opportunistic throughout this te- for, throughout this year, which is what we saw last year. So, uh, in that way, like there isn't this huge new leaf turned over. I will say he kind of looks um, looks like a little bit better version this year of what we saw last season. Perfect. So that that really has covered most of the major players I knew about coming in. Uh, we have Nolan Bertain and Philip Pebble Jr. We haven't talked a whole bunch about. Uh, obviously, he mentions here and there, but those are the last guys on the team that are averaging more than 20 minutes a game. Uh, break it down for us, Professor. What can you tell us about these guys? Yeah, Bertain is essentially like a slightly better version of Gabe Quinette. He's a, I, I like to, I have jokingly referred to him as the hips, as hipster Gabe Quinette because he has tasks and he's got some facial hair. The, b- both are, I mean, they're relatively similar. They're, they're, the skill that justifies their D1 roster spot is their three-point shooters. Uh, last season at Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, Bertain shot about the same percentage that, that Quinette did from three, like around that 40-ish percent. Uh, this season, Bertain's kind of been, been a little bit hit or miss. Like today, he's two of six from the field for six points. But hey, two of five from three, 40%, that's, that's great. Um, he's not a guy who creates offense for himself, but he also doesn't force it. So, I mean, he's, he's a solid piece on here. He's like a lot of our guys, uh, not certainly not a great 
individual, um, sorry, not a great individual defender and the team scheme of our defense is atrocious. So uh, that's just not really going to change, but on the season, uh, Bertain shooting 40% from, from the field, 35.5% from three, you know, if he, ideally you'd hope that 35% number goes a little bit higher from three for a guy who's a sharpshooter, but I mean, he, again, I think he's a slightly better version of Gabe Quinnette. So out of those two, I'm glad Bertain's moved into the starting lineup. And there's certainly ways where you see Bertain as a solid, like, number five contributor. Uh, Philip Pebble Jr. and Chris Hammond throws it in. Philip <laughs> Pebble it, Jr. is my guy. So Philip Pebble Jr. is – he's a post. He's, he's only about 6'7", but he's real long. Uh, he has – he's I think the announcer said he has a number four amount of blocks in the big sky right now with 10. So he, he is kind of a rim protector, you could say, that Idaho has not had for quite a while. Offensively, he's super limited. Uh, whenever we've had some times where Kloss was running, you know, sets to get him the ball in the post, it's a catastrophic mistake. He's, no, he's not strong enough to get post positions super low very often. He is not skilled enough to ever kick out when he catches it down low. He just shouldn't be thought of as a guy you run offense through, which um, full disclosure, uh, Klaus has absolutely had moments where he's trying to do that. And it's one of the dumbest things I've seen any coach ever do. But when he is like, a, he's a rim runner where he's, you know, where he's screen and roll, where he's getting his shots off of uh, second chance points. That's where he can be more of a contributor. Uh, defensively, he's a better help defender than primary defender. A lot uh, teams have abused him by getting deep, deep post position in the sense where it sometimes seems like he feels the point of post defense is to let the guy have their foot in the restricted area. Um, but he, he's a solid athlete defensively. You can understand where that guy contributes to a solid to okay team. Um, high energy guy. So, I, don't, I mean, he let, let's compare him to Scott Blakeney for a second. He is certainly not close to the offensive player Blakeney was, but he's probably a better defensive player than Blakeney was, which – Overall, I would call that a net positive. He's got a pretty ugly shot, which is just fun to watch him shoot free throws. He cocks it way behind his head, which is a novelty for people. But uh, Pebble, so compare him to Christensen, Pebble is more of a springy athlete than Christensen, but Christensen has a little bit more polish to his game. So this is all leading me to maybe the, the big question here. We have talked so heavily about the talent on this team is better than last year and the year before that. They still don't have a Division One win. Uh, obviously, the the scheduling is weird this year. They play one Big Sky game and then go back to the non-conference until after Christmas. What is the ceiling for this team? And the second piece of the question, what do you think the realistic finish is for this team? I'm going to answer this question by also acknowledging the coach class elephant in the room of look, we're, we're talking about an athletic department that just fired Paul Petrino rightly followed fired Paul Petrino comparing Petrino to Kloss Petrino is infinitely more successful with running Idaho programs than Kloss has been Kloss where we have not picked up his 10th division one win yet last season. You guys all remember, we talked about it. We cited this, Idaho scoring margin was tied in conference for the worst big sky conference scoring margin in the 21st century. So that's kind of the subtext of this discussion. Um, positive for Klaus, positive for Idaho. He is, Idaho is 
accepting what their talent is. They're playing with a much faster pace. It creates a much more fun product when, when it's going well. An Achilles, two Achilles heels that are just not really going to go away for us this year in my mind are defense and rebounding. So against Southern Utah, Idaho was minus five rebounding, 45 to 37, got beat on the offensive boards, 15 to nine. One of our better defensive efforts, uh, Southern Utah shoots just under 43% from the field. They did go 40% from three, which didn't matter. I bring that up because the teams we, the teams Idaho has, um, has played against, uh, field goal percentage has been a little bit different. You know, WSU shoots 60% against us. Long Beach State, we lost your shot 57% against us. North Dakota State shot 40, sorry, Utah Valley, Utah Valley shot 48% against us. And inter, and then team rebounding, we got out-rebounded. By, we've been out-rebounded by 20 in multiple games this year. And that our rebounding margin heading to Southern Utah is us getting out-rebounded by 10 per game. But keep in mind, we've got a D3 game in there that helped soften those stats. So what is the ceiling of this team? From a descriptive sense, Dallas, having games like this where we are competitive from from – Whistle from tip off to close where we see where Idaho is playing guard oriented and where you at least, again, defensive scheme sucks, but where you're seeing like strong effort, at least that's kind of the ceiling to me. If Idaho plays like we did against Southern Utah, we're going to pick up some wins. I don't believe this is a team that's going to finish 500 in the big sky. I don't believe this is, I mean, this clearly not a team that's not going to finish 500 overall. Uh, the real question that I have is, I think, realistically for the season, number I'd say that Kloss would have to keep his eye on is probably 12 total wins as your barometer for what we're looking at going forward. I don't really see 12 wins on the schedule. So ceiling, I'd say, is five. Like, if everything aligns perfectly, you can understand a world where this team goes around 500 in conference because I'm just going to skip do a really fast – Big Sky Conference preview for you guys. Southern Utah looks solid. We just hung with them at home. So, hey, net positive. Northern Arizona looks like absolute garbage. Portland State is probably going to be this. Looks like they'll be the same thing they always are, where they're like kind of okay, but people pretend they're good. Montana State looks okay. Eastern, I know they beat WSU. That was bullshit. Like, WSU face planted that game away. Eastern looks like they're going to be solid, but we just looked better against Southern Utah at home than Eastern looked against Southern Utah at home. So uh, Eastern, when there's a world where we split games. We're not going to beat Weaver State once. Idaho State is an interesting one to look at because I know they finished fourth in league last year, but I've watched a few of their games. I'm not overly impressed. They have they play really hard defensively and have terrible offense. Uh, Northern Colorado, we have no prayer to pick up wins against them. Sacramento State is going to be tough uh, defensively, but I think talent-wise they're not going to outclass us. Montana, Montana is certainly more, better defensively. Talent-wise, they're probably a little better. You should presume Montana takes games against us, but Montana has that defense, that offensive issue that could keep us in the game. That's a quick run-through of the teams we're going to play this year. So Dallas, based off hearing that, you understand how I say I think there's a world where we, if everything works out, this team might flirt with 500 in conference, but until we're not getting abused defensively, I'm not yet confident in saying approaching 500 in conferences on the table. I think the safer metric right now is um, maybe there's six conference wins 
for this team, maybe. Um, and using that as the barometer to to kind of calibrate to. I'm not saying there, that there's not a world where if this team plays like they did today, every single day in conference, they're going to get more than six conference wins. But this, you know, for listeners who haven't watched every game, this game so far is an anomaly in that some of the offensive scheme was a bit smarter today than we've seen previously. And um, defense, there's you know, rebounding. We were not annihilated. If we if we're keeping teams to to within a hand just a couple rebounds of us, that's that's a different game than getting out rebounded by twenty against Fresno and still staying competitive. Where if that happens, you gotta shoot like forty eight percent from three. So in short, uh, to quit filibustering you, Dallas. Five five hundred in conference is probably a pipe dream. At this point, assume. I don't know, like five, six wins in conference if we're if some of the good stuff is there most of the time. But there's certainly room to improve. It would be stars aligned in every possible way to hit 500 in conference, which I would certainly not gamble on. You heard it here, everybody. Brian's predicting 500 in conference. Oh, good God. Good God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, the one last thing that I wanted to touch on, the turnovers. Uh, this game, you, I mean, we at points last season were counting. Could Idaho finish with more turnovers than made field goals? That uh, happened twice. And exactly what I was about to say. Only 11, uh, only 11 turnovers today. Uh, was that, to me, that, I mean, again, this is the only game I've watched, so this looked like a completely different team because this was, like as you've said, one of the best outputs they've had all season. Is the 11 turnovers, is that a mirage, or are we actually going to see a little bit better control as a result of this better pace? Okay, two things you have to keep in mind there, Dallas, and we, we're not, we don't have this stat off the top of our head. If a team has the ball, has more possessions, I mean, you should just expect there are a couple extra turnovers baked into having more possessions. So our pace numbers this year are much higher than last year, where most games right now, our pace has been above 70 with the most common pace number being either 76 or 77, which is quite a bit faster than we've been playing previously where it's more like 65 ish. Um, That doesn't mean turnovers aren't a problem. You know, in, in our previous games, 15 versus long beach state 10 versus Fresno. That was kind of our best only 13 turnovers against WSU, but they still destroyed us. Then 19 against uh, Utah Valley. So, 11, 11 ties for our second best turnover number of the season. 10 is the best. We've now done that three times. So not preposterous to say that we might get better in that regard. But again, when you're understanding the season, if this is one of our best games turnover wise, and we still lost at home, that's why you're not hearing us get too excited. We're unequivocally better than last year. And last year we're gonna we're pretty quickly gonna quit referencing last year at all because it's an almost completely different roster. Style is much different. Style's better, especially on the offensive end. But uh, no turnovers are gonna matter for this team too. I mean we we have a couple guards like uh, Dixon and Anderson we've already re- referenced to. They do put the ball on the floor a decent amount of time, and you will get some turnovers there. The promising thing for me is that in the the games we've played and especially in the close games. We're not having those dumpster fire turnovers where we haven't even initiated the offense. Nothing's going on. Most of our turnovers are when the team is being aggressive. And 
you're going to have to live with some of those, especially if you're going to pay a faster pace. That's absolutely just going to happen. And um, as long as we're getting better shots, as long as the offense is actually moving, which half-court offense, we've had problems with not moving. But as long as we're getting movement, as long as guys are created, getting better shots created, I'm not going to lose sleep over some turnovers. Really, the bigger deal for this team has been layup line defense and getting killed on the boards. I don't think I have a whole lot else to add or ask of you, Brian. Is there anything we did not cover that you want to go over in this preview? Uh, Real quick, uh, impact freshman that we have is uh, Yusuf Sali. He's a freshman from uh, Gainesville, Virginia. He's looks like he's kind of a good catch and shoot guy. Like he's, he's definitely a shooting guard kind of player, Uh, but he's earning some minutes. His shooting percentage right now in the season is only 32. So we're not going to get too excited, but asterisk, he's shooting 30, 37% from three. Most of his shots are threes. So uh, that's a, that's just another player we haven't talked about Uh, to close out for me on this game. Other previews aren't going to be talking about the entire season every time guys, but um, promising part is, Offense looks like it's shifting more towards being wing-oriented. That is an unequivocal positive. And, look, we have made we have shit on class a ton because we should have. But that's a positive coaching step of acknowledging what your strength is and moving your team in that direction. That looks like it's not natural based off his background to what he tend, look, always looks like he wants to do more of a Don Verlin style. That would be a catastrophic mistake for this team. He is making some correct decisions and having us push the pace and today – in half, we look the best we've looked in half court offense really the entire season. If we see more of that, this team's going to have some fun games. This show, this team will be worth watching, not for tragedy, but honestly to get unironically into the game against Long Beach State. I can't remember the last time I was that into an Idaho basketball game. So temper your expectations. But and for me, if this team can be competitive and fun, you just have to accept that's a win right now. Couldn't have said it better myself. Okay, that has been Around the Bar, brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. If you are looking for a great, all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S., located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down Mill Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like the one see the Perced Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches. Run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been Vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. A little bit of life producing here. Um, I've been doing this for, what, close to a year now? I've never thought to actually bring their website up while people are reading the ad. So, Colin, if you're listening, I'm going to fix that moving forward. Now when we do the ad read, I'm going to put the website up so people see just how pristine these beaches actually are. Oh, yeah. Uh, You guys, we'll be back at you on Tuesday with uh, our own coaching news updates. Basketball episodes are going to work this way where they'll just be instant reaction. So at that point, Dallas, it's time for Kobe Cuff to play us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.
So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals and the craft. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow drinking.